Hello, welcome to episode one of our brand new exciting podcast, I Wouldn't Watch. Hello. It's where we inflict films that we love on the other person. I think inflict is a bit strong. I made you watch Dead Floating Babies. The movie. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so over the last two nights, I have made Dan watch the film Titanic, which he has never seen before. I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, What did you think? I have lots of thoughts about it. I mean, it's we the one we watched is three hours and six minutes long, and you're right, it took us two nights. And then last night when we finished it, I was I wasn't able to just stop and go to bed and be done as soon as the film finished. Yeah, you should bear that in mind if you're gonna watch it. It's not just three hours and six minutes. It's three hours six minutes plus that comedy you have to put on afterwards so that you can sleep and get the dead babies out of your head. The emotional downtime that comes afterwards. I think um, if I was to if I was to suggest something, if you want a good night's sleep, watch the first half. The first half is lovely because we watched it over two nights. It was just so nice. I, lo- I love the first half. I is don't know why they couldn't just end it there. I do. Um is because the boat sank. I think I wanted I want to be up front and say I'd never seen it before and I think it was fashionable at one point to hate on Titanic and to say uh, you know uh, it's blah blah blah. I think you know I I've been and I've read some stuff about it afterwards and I've taken pages of notes Russell's paper. I think it was fashionable to hate on Titanic but I want to say I think it's a good film. I think it's very impressive and I think um it's it's very good at what it does. It's sort of a love story wrapped in a disaster. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm sure we'll come to unpicking that a bit more. But I want to start off by saying it's good. I've got lots of jokes and little silly things I want to point out. But start off by saying I think Titanic is a good film. Wow. So first film I've inflicted on you, you actually liked. Kind All right, of. don't get ideas. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know what? It was a good trip for some people. Been doing a bit of research. Do you know where uh, twenty-two people got off at Sherberg? You know, it stopped. It went. It went Southampton, Sherberg, then Ireland, then across the Atlantic. How happy would you be <laughs> if you were one of the people that just got off at Sherberg and you're like, "Oh yeah, I I got on. I I went on Titanic. I'm a oh, Titanic I had a great survivor. time." <laughs> I survived the Titanic <laughs> from England to France or Ireland. Uh, good. Po- I didn't know that. Yeah. If it they just made a film about those people. No one would watch that. <laughs> no one would want to see that film. Um, there's there's lots going on. So there's the story of Jack, the unluckiest artist alive, who wins tickets to get onto the Titanic, and he feels like that's great. Um there's Rose who gets slapped around a bit once and falls in love with this guy over a period of what I can only assume is basically less than a week. Yeah, I think it's like four days before it crashes, so mm, yeah. I'm not all sold on Rose, to be honest. She had great hair though, we have to agree on that. She's like hair goals. 
Uh, As a ginger, I feel like it was a it was a good film for me. Is she a natural ginger? No, but she just raised the profile of our people. <laughs> <laughs> My people are in the media now. I'm not ginger. I should clarify. Um, I Neither know. are our children. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, I feel like they missed a few tricks with the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang crossovers. Obviously, there's the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> in the car scene, um, <coughs> which you always talked about for years, because you watched it when it first came out, right? Yeah, so one of the great things about this film is that I was 12 when it came out, and it was a 12. So I felt very grown up going to the cinema with my youth leader uh, to see it. And then, yeah, I remember on on the school bus for like years afterwards, people would try and make that steamy handprint thing. That's just what you did on a school bus. So I feel like it really affected society in, in that way. Oh, yeah, that that's the way it affected society. Like, every time you get on a ferry, someone does the, like, Jack and Rose pose on the f- on the front of the ship. That's just what you do on the front of a ferry now. Someone sneaks down to the car deck and has a quick whiskey <laughs> and chitty bang bang. You know who I thought could have escaped, but I don't think did? Go on. The, you know the band that played till the end? The yes. string quartet? The guy with the biggest violin. The biggest violin. <laughs> the standing up violin is what it's called, my love. <laughs> yeah. I looked at that and thought, that could definitely be a boat. Like, why is he wasting his time playing? Just soar out the middle and like you're you're there with your own portable boat. Probably just sit on it and it, it'll be it'll be alright, I think. Yeah. I don't know if he survived, but I hate that he did survive from his <laughs> boat of a giant violin. I should make it clear that whilst we've both skim-read the Wikipedia article for the film, and I think you've skim-read a Wikipedia article for the actual Titanic. I've studied. Yeah, we haven't done a huge amount of research. So there's a moment at the end where old Rose, played by an old lady, made to look even older, says 1,500 people went into the water and six survived and that they had capacity on the boats. There's some moments at the end, like the end is tense, and it is grim, and it's tense yeah. and grim for at least an hour. It's kind of worse than I remembered it to be. It's really like... It, what's the opposite of relaxing? It's, it's tense. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it it's is tense to the watch. word I said All before. The, bit, the bits where they're running around, going up and down, and she's in the boat, and then she jumps back out... And goes oh. to find him and, like, with the axe, like, rescues him from the handcuffs. And and then they're being shot at. And I once said they're in the water floating around, it calms down a bit. It does calm down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've, I said to you at the time, because I think I knew it was going to happen, if she gets back out of this lifeboat now, she's an idiot. And she did. You know, and it's just... I think there's some bits where... I like. I was impressed that James Cameron wrote and directed it. I was a little bit creeped out that he's the one who drew the picture of. <laughs> yes, Netflix. I found that out in the Wikipedia. Like he is a good drawer, um. But that is a weird. And you know that scene was the first scene that they shot as well because the rest of the set wasn't ready. So imagine being like first day on the job. All right, Kate, get your kit off. I'm going to draw you. That is creepy. If your boss did that to you <laughs> at your first day on the job. That's not that's not okay. I know. I was I mean, I don't know how actors actresses 
deal with nudity anyway like i think that's because it all looks like nice and on the set it looks like it's just leonardo and and kate and they're all chilling out and it's fine but you've got people with lights and sound equipment and camera off camera you've got like 20 men all just stood around looking at your knockers and you know i would find that intimidating for a first day on the job for a first when day you're like 21 as well yeah but i think my knockers were best at 21 no, um, me too Oh, thanks, love. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed that he wrote and directed it. I think some of the writing was a bit um, simple. It was like it was efficient. It wasn't like very um, big, grandiose, showy. And sometimes that was a bit um, boring or a bit of a letdown, maybe. But other times, it just it was to the point, and I think it worked. My favourite quote, I know you're going to ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, poor old Billy Zane plays Cal Hockey yeah, or whatever. I don't know if anyone would re- in real life really be that much of a horrible person. I've, ri- I've written that down. Some, at some rich point. people, I think, could be nice. Uh, there's, there, was two, there was two instances where I've written down nobody is that much. I've even. I've, I've, what's the uh, rating on this podcast? Oh, that's fine. Nobody is that much of a dick, surely. <laughs> like, tying up a prisoner down below decks while a boat is sinking, and then the Rose's mum says at one point, or somebody near her, I think, will the lifeboats be sorted by class? And you just think, no, nobody's that nobody's that much entrenched, is it, are they? Well, I wonder if she didn't... Re- I think that is... That came before she realised that everyone was going to die. Because then Rose is like, oh, by the way, half these people are going to die. You idiot. <laughs> you idiot. You selfish lady. She never cries. I, I watched carefully. Rose's mum never cries in the whole thing. And doesn't know that uh, Rose hasn't made it. Yeah, or what we assume that. She's a bit of a bitch. Yeah. Um, what was it? My favourite quote. So mm-hmm. Billy Zane, I I thought, whatever happened to him? He was in a film that I quite liked. It sounds like nobody else liked it, called The Phantom. He was, I thought he was kind of a fun, cool actor. He hasn't done loads for ages. Apparently, everyone just all used to be like, oh, it's that guy who was the a-hole off Titanic. That's a quote from him. He's always being recognised as the guy who... But that means he's done a great job as an actor. And nobody wanted to cast him again. he is just a horrible person. He walks in on Rose and goes, I know you've been melancholy. I don't pretend to understand it. And I miss those times when you could just dismiss your wife's feelings <laughs> at a moment's notice and carry on being a blasé bloke. Yeah, I guess. What what would the equivalent be today if you walked in on me being sad? What As a 2020, you know, decent guy, what would you have to say? I'd probably have to just sit down and listen to you. Oh. Uh. What a bore. <laughs> what an absolute snooze fest. Um, did you have a favourite quote? Yeah, I did. My favourite quote, which I think should become the like motto of Liverpool John Moore's university, my university, is uh, the purpose of university is to find yourself a suitable husband, which I managed. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, hooray for you. Um, shall we talk about the scale of the film yeah sure i learned it cost 
um, 200 million to make, yep. which works out at roughly just over a million dollars per minute of screen time. I read that same We read article. that same article. Hooray. And that was over budget. The budget was already massive, but they still went massively over budget. But they had to build a whole ship and they like all the stuff when they were in the water, they didn't just go down to like the local like lifestyle centre. They <laughs> they built their own ocean. They did build <laughs> a massive honking great ocean. It was all in a tank. And apparently uh, everyone was really cold. People broke bones. He sounds like a horrible director as well. Um, like he was such a perfectionist, which you kind of want, but didn't really care for people's feelings or like how long they'd been in cold water and all of that. I, I read the same article, <laughs> and I, the same Wikipedia article, and I felt like I would like to talk to James Cameron, but not work for him. It sounded militant. It sounded rough. Yeah. I it's tricky because horrible. on the flip side, it was the highest grossing movie of all time until Avatar, which is also a James Cameron film. Mm. So he, you know, he sounds tough to work with, but I think he makes these films that are massive, extraordinary. Like, I want to reiterate, I think it's a really good film. And if you haven't seen it, it's a hard watch at the end, but it's an impressive piece of filmmaking. Yeah, I do kind of feel like it's a film that everyone should see. But it's not something you'd kind of watch every year like Love Actually. I <laughs> never watched Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, that's... Actually, one of the next ones. I'm Thanks, love. On you. Um, there are some other bits. I've just rustled a piece of paper. Sorry. Um, you are you poo-poo my martial arts films, which I don't really watch as much anymore at all. And everything. This has so much more death than any of those, and so many more ways to die than those. And I think what makes what makes it interesting, and what makes this powerful and affecting and the fact that I can watch Jackie Chan get kicked in the face and it doesn't bother me is because this is real like this happened and he put so much work into making it a faithful representation of big big death time as it's known <laughs> the floating baby movie floating dead baby yeah did you know found a fact for you Go on. uh 14 eyewitnesses said that the boat snapped in two, but they weren't believed until they found the wreckage of the boat, which wasn't until the 80s, and then and that was in two parts, and they were like, oh, okay, we, we believe you now. I mean, that makes me think, were they like lower decks, lower class eyewitnesses? Because there's a lot of that divide in the film. There's a lot of like upper decks. Yeah. It's, we believe you, we trust you, it's fine. The shenanigans... I would have liked to see a little bit of class two because we only saw class three and class one. I just would be interested to just pop in a room of <laughs> class two. See what they were getting up to. Yeah. But yeah, so it focuses on Jack, who's from steerage, like, you know, standing room only, basically. And then those people up top, Rose, who's got her, old own, her own promenade deck, it says at one point, you know. Yeah, and I've been on Britney Ferries and definitely in Class 3, but isn't everyone in Class 3 on Britney Ferries? They, the rooms look like that, bunk beds and stuff. 
No, I didn't have a money in my in my Britney Ferries. You should complain. Do you know what? There's an even worse class than bunk beds is when you can only afford a chair to sleep in. Yeah, I've <laughs> done that a number of times. <laughs> and I, I was going to say, like, I've now uh, consented, I'll say consented, to sail across the channel twice with you. Um, yep. Once to France and once to the Channel Islands. You were sick. 11 times so much <laughs> sick so many six if i had seen this film first i wouldn't have gone well maybe i would but i don't know if i'll get on a passenger ferry with the same ease as which <laughs> i used to uh, so i've been because my dad's big into sailing i've been on a boat lots of times i've crossed the channel which is not the same as the atlantic but you know it's a small version of it uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've crossed that several times, and once the boat was sinking, but it wasn't li- it wasn't like a big deal, <laughs> like Titanic. No Celine in the so, background. So like we were having to like bail out a little bit, and my dad phoned the coast guard, and he said he did this message which is called Pan Pan, which is like one below Mayday. It's just like, oh, don't worry, we'll probably be fine, but like the no, resort no, are coming in. The one below Mayday should be not. Should not be. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, do worry, worry, a bit, slightly. worry a bit. So then, like, they sent this lifeboat out, but but because my dad knows like the rules about lifeboats, apparently, if they step foot on your boat, you have to pay them. So he just didn't. He just let them go next, go next to us the whole way, so we were safe in like life or death kind of scenario. But didn't let them come on, and we were fine, and we didn't have to pay them. So he got. He got, he like, got coast-guarded for free. <laughs> yeah. Not sure that's okay. Other people... I don't well, know. Well, nah. it's not. Yeah. It's not on me to fund the Coast Guard, I but I think they're probably good, so, you know, if you want to donate to them, go for it. Um, other things... It I'm wasn't the Coast Guard, it was, like, RNLI. The lifeboats people. Yes. Okay, aren't they volunteers? Yeah, so basically, they were probably volunteers who were bored, wanted to come out for a trip, because people don't like die much people boats don't sink that much so they're probably like sitting around being like oh let's get out let's get out but i don't know i imagine them just being like eager scouts eager scouts <laughs> the scouts of the sea Wait, they're, 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 that's the thing i know i know as i was watching it started to make me think some of the central conceit they were probably writing around is was the question is short-term love better than long-term loveless life and i started to think oh yeah mm, that's an interesting thing and then at the end it doesn't matter because she got both she got to have a short-term fling with jack and then to have a super long life anyway and i feel like there was another moment where it rose sort of gets out of a lot of it obviously she lives through and then she whoops is a massive diamond back into the sea at the end <laughs> and just Whoops, she does, she does a little whoops noise or something. Um, the other one was, it was a little bit irritating that she was ready to jump off the boat a few days earlier and off herself in the sea. Oh, yeah. And then she's one of the few that survives. Yeah. I was like, mm, you know, I know it's a story, but I was a, I was a bit bothered. I've got two uh, issues with the film that I think would not have happened Go on. So, number one, I don't think a piece of paper 
with charcoal on can survive in a shipwreck for 84 years. Because when they got it out, it was all sludge and wet. It wasn't like that had stayed dry or something. Yeah, and they were cleaning it with water or something. Yeah. Or maybe maybe there was more to it than that. Maybe it was in alcohol or whatever, but yeah, okay, I, I, I'll take I that. I think paper stays that long. Um, considering, like, half of the ship actually was, like, unsalvageable. It's, like, in, in the mud completely. No one can get it. In the mud completely. Thank you for your technical <laughs> diagnosis of the sunk ship. Anyway... So that's point one. Point two. So when she had the the diamond thing in her pocket, which she didn't even know about because Jack put that coat on her, um, she was wearing that when they went down. So at the end, they're on the very top bit of the boat that's like falling down when the boat is snapped and it's getting sucked in to the sea. Um, and... Jack's saying, like, you know, hold my hand, take a deep breath. And then they go under for quite a long time. So they're, like, sucked underwater. How would the diamond have not... How would the diamond would have stayed in a pocket? It was just a pocket. It wasn't, like, an in inside pocket, a zip pocket. It was just a pocket. Oh, I was going to say zip pockets. You never heard of zip pockets, <laughs> It wasn't a zip pocket. She when had a was toggle on it. <laughs> but she didn't even know... She wasn't trying to be careful with it because she didn't even know it was there. There's a few bits like that where I think the writing is a little bit, just a little bit too generous. And there's some bits like uh, Billy Zane, Cal, there's a bit where he grabs a gun from his sort of, I don't know, his tooled up valet and starts chasing them down the ship. And I felt like, no. That was one of the you things... You wouldn't be running around shooting people on a sinking ship. That's one of the things that broke the immersion for me. I was like, yeah, fine, it's a story, but it feels like it's just a device to get Jack and Rose below decks again and sustain the, the tension for another ten minutes. I was, I was a bit like, mm, no. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. There's a, there's just a, just a few moments like that, but I felt like everyone acted well and the film looked great. I don't know if I could have sat through it in one take, you know, three and a bit hours. Not without a wee. I feel it's a little bit sad that watching it now in 2020, there'll be no one alive with any living memory of it. Whereas when it came out, I think there might just just have been a few. I didn't like the... Some of the score I didn't like. James Horner is is pretty good, but that oh, like breathy that. voice noise he used made me think of Mike Oldfield and some of the Islands records, which is fine. But just ha, ha, but once the once the going gets tense, like the second half, I thought the music really worked there. I wrote that down. I didn't really notice much. You know what music I did enjoy when they had the third class party because it really reminded me of our our wedding. Oh yes, they had sort of a Kaylee our wedding. We did have a Kaylee our wedding. I was there. Um, I was gonna. Oh yes, I wanted to give some shout outs, uh, most notably to John Walcott, who's listed in the credits as <laughs> first class husband. John, I've always thought you were a first class husband. <laughs> Good work, John. Oh yeah, we 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 quite intensely watched all the credits. I did. We watched. To There's the a very lot of end. people involved. 
I think that gives you an appreciation for the scale. Like there was like assistant accountants and like ten people listed. Uh, the other person in the credits we wanted to give a shout out to was Kathleen Dunn, listed as woman in water. <laughs> of, of all, <laughs> but no one else. Of all listed. the women in the water. <laughs> Kathleen Dunn, you're the one who gets listed as woman in water, so good work, Kathleen. (laughs) I hope she's listening. I feel like I'm going to give a a credit shout-out every film we do. (laughs) I just felt... Yeah, that's a nice touch, I like it. I just felt like we we were... Because the film (laughs) is so enormous and emotional at the end, they have this little bit tacked on in the modern day. So it's framed at the start and the end. There's the modern day... Rose retelling the story of the Titanic to these treasure hunters who are looking for this massive diamond. And there's a little bit of that at the end. Apparently he cut some more off it. That just doesn't give you time to unwind from the kind of hour of creaking Yeah, that's how you have to death. watch some comedy after. So we watched all the credits and then yeah, we watched a bit of Taskmaster to just get our eyes, <laughs> eyes off it. We're watching season five at the minute with um, Sally Phillips. That's good. Hans a big fan. I I thought we could talk about some of the themes. Yes. So, for example, sexism is kind of a big uh, theme of the film. Mm-hmm. In like positive and negative. So, like the the negative is uh, women had to marry horrible men um, if they wanted to still wear pretty dresses. Yep. Um, but then also. Like it wasn't all bad because started sinking and they're like women and children first. So maybe it, maybe it was fair overall. <laughs> I think uh, maybe if you were just looking at that film, <laughs> then yeah, sure. But if you're looking at that as a microcosm of society in the 19 teens, then it's like yeah, women are downtrodden unless there's a <laughs> terrifying emergency, in which case we'll try and look after you first. Mm. I mean, do you think any of that is still the case today? Like that attitude of women and children first. How how do you think that would play out in 2020? Is that still a thing? If we had a real sinking? No, I'd mean more in everyday life situations. I have a great story about this from a friend who I shan't name. Who's, uh, who? Um, is it Ben? <laughs> I'm going to edit that bit out <laughs> because it's a great story and I don't want poor Ben to be tarnished with this. We haven't said a surname. <laughs> well, don't, because I can see that look in your face. Let's use his backwards name. Neb. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Neb. <laughs> no, I have a friend who was holding a door open for a lady um, and the lady said, you wouldn't hold a door open for if, you were a ma- if I was a man and started having a go at him. And talking about equality and stuff, he said, "Lady, you don't want to be equal because if a man talked to me like this, I'll punch him in the face." So great story, a, a well brilliant done, story Neb. that didn't <laughs> need all that build up and might get cut out of the whole show. But I think there's still some, yeah, there's definitely inherent underlying bits of sexism that exist. Oh yeah, I'm not talking about sexism as a whole. That definitely still exists. I can give examples of that if you'd like. I'm talking about... Now it's sexist of me not to let you <laughs> give examples. I'm talking about... Yeah, you know that You know that time that uh, you got praised for uh, changing a nappy. I changed a nappy one time. I'm a good father. And two in church and two people came up to me and said, Oh, Dan, isn't he a good dad? Anyway. 
Um, <laughs> like, you are that a good anyway, dad. That anyway but carried so much pain. Not because of that. It's your own child's bum. No, I was talking more about is there examples of that women and children first? I think in general, maybe I'm uh, outdated or a throwback. Cause I, I, I sort of agree with it. I think it's always been men are expendable, women and children are not. I don't know if it should be. I guess if we lived in a society without men, we could survive fine with a few sperm banks. Whereas the other way around, you'd be more screwed. I can't make jokes about this because it's sexist. <laughs> I would still think women and children first if I was on there. I, I mean, part of it, part of the story of Titanic for me was the story of how you are when you face death in your last moments. And there's a lot of those, especially at the end, there's a lot of little glimpses of people having that experience. And it does make, it made me question, how would I deal with that? Yeah. How would I be? So it made me think, I have two sons. How would I, what would I do if I was in that scenario and I had a wife and two sons and I was trying to get through it? Yeah, and I think you'll never really know. Like everyone likes to think they would be the person that would stop and help others. Like there's that bit where um, Jack and Rose are like trying to open that gate and the water's like up to their neck, or maybe not quite. Um, and this guy is going up the steps and they shout out to him and he's he turns around and for ages he's just like frozen in like, should I help these people or should I just go? And I really understand that. Dilemma, I, I think uh, anyone would have that. Although he did have the keys on him. I think it looked like all crew members had keys. I had a very similar experience, a very <laughs> shockingly <laughs> similar, where um, I was at a cash point and it and somebody just left, and they'd walked off without taking their cash, and I felt paralysed with indecision for you know absolute seconds, and then I took their money to them. Uh, hashtag good dad. <laughs> I'm going to edit out to them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was it was remarkably similar to but that White that Star is Line employee. Diff- so like I feel like I've done nice stuff like that. I've been overpaid at work before and made sure I told them about it. Ooh. So I feel like in that way I can get some nice person points. But <laughs> in like a in like a life or death situation, I think sometimes you're you're hardly even yeah. in control. <laughs> like I I can't say I wouldn't if I was floating around in the water use someone else to float on because i just think your your body a bit takes over and and is just trying to survive and that's just natural instinct more than like being horrible so for example i was thinking about this um when we had a baby newborn babies are difficult um correct and uh they don't sleep and all that uh i feel like i could be a nice enough reasonable person if I had more than four hours sleep I could like still be you know at least trying to be a team with Dan and all of that stuff but I feel like when it went when it went less than four hours sleep I just went into like survival mode and I would do anything I could (laughs) to get more sleep including bit just being a bitch or like just demanding it or being manipulative or whatever like i didn't really care as long as i got sleep 
I don't really care who I hurt. I know that's horrible. I know I'm a horrible person, but I just feel like it flipped from like, I actually need sleep to survive now. So screw you, I'll do whatever I want. From over four hours, I was still like myself. Deep. Do you feel better? Yeah, I, d- I don't know if I should admit that, but I, I do think that's you. We should probably talk about the very end. My dad doesn't like the film because of the way it ends, is what he said to me. Oh, also, my sister had a wonderful... We've got alternate ending theories. Oh, yeah. My sister had a great one. Shout out to my sister. Which one? Shout out to my sister, Beth, who had this idea that it was actually Nazi zombies inside a (laughs) remote-controlled iceberg that sank the Titanic. You heard it here first. (laughs) At the end... It's not certain if she sleeps or she dies. And then it pans over some rough photoshopped pictures meant to display that Rose had a lovely life. And then and she, she did all those things that they talked that Jack talked about. Like riding with both with <laughs> riding legs <laughs> not on the same side. Normal riding a horse. Horse Feminist riding. Feminist horse riding. <laughs> I don't know. She rode a horse. Yeah. She leant on a plane. Yeah, all that stuff that they talked about. And then... But what did her current... The husband then, because she did obviously marry, like, what did he think of her gallivanting around on horses and taking selfies? Like... Doesn't matter, because she she made a promise to a dead man. And that's more important than current husbands. If we've learned anything. Don't know, she just drifts off into this nice either dream or afterlife where she's back at the steps in the Titanic and she sees. Oh, Jack and she's again. like wearing a wedding dress. It's like a wedding. But he's still wearing his third class clothes. I thought that. Why isn't he dressed up? But she yeah, she's wearing a wedding dress. Is it a wedding dress or is it just a nice dress? A nice white sparkly dress, I guess. I I didn't recognise it from earlier in the film. Which which was a detail yeah. that I wasn't sure about. I was like, okay, is she going back into the life there, or is she into some kind of happy afterlife where they do live? I don't know. And after? it wasn't the wedding dress of nineteen twelve because they were big fluffy things. It was like a nineteen ninety seven wedding dress. You're a big expert on wedding dresses <laughs> through the ages, aren't you? Yeah. Have we missed anything? Anything you wanted to say? Um, I wanted to talk about the hotness of Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course you did. Because I've got some issues. Because uh, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was 12. So, like, he was hot, but I was 12. So that's kind of weird. Nah, so he's, like, 10 years older than me, which isn't acceptable. Like, now I figure I could get with him. But I don't find him now attractive. He's an ugly old man to me but I still find him hot on that film but he's like 22 and th- that's a bit of an issue for me because I'm 34 that's oh that's a bit creepy thank you for coming <laughs> to white middle class struggles <laughs> Um, ha- did you find anyone hot him Kate yeah what what do you think of the life drawing scene because I obviously have seen that film a long time ago and I sort of imagined, you know when we did uh, Life Drawing on Honeymoon, I, I kind of imagined it would be like that, but it probably wasn't, partly because <laughs> you can't draw. Have you seen <laughs> the uh, caricature that Douglas Renham draws in the IT crowd? Because I draw a <laughs> bit like that. 
I haven't, but um, you you have. I'm just you don't remember it. It's uh, it's a stick lady with knockers. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I thought she's very attractive. She had some dimples that seemed to appear at the end of the film that I hadn't noticed before. <laughs> Maybe that was the cold. <laughs> that well-known feature. <laughs> I get dimples when I'm cold. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Of course. It's a very. It's a very talented and beautiful cast. I think they all. They. They. They did a really good job. Uh, I did think of something I was going to say then, but I've. Um so I've got an alternative ending for you, which I think could be even sadder than the real ending. No. Do you want to hear it? Nope. I mean, apart from Bye just folks. they both die. Right. They both did die. <coughs> and I think also more realistic of real life ready what about they both lived she did go off with him to america they had a nice life together for a few years just you know traveling around free spirits and all of that having fun she was glad to escape her old life but then like they decided to have kids and once they'd had a kid you just can't be so much of a free spirit and they really <laughs> started to like tear each other down and like it was just Wait, it was just hard, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> hard for them whose life are you describing <laughs> here <laughs> uh, what point are you trying to make and to then, me then after like sort of 10 years they separated <laughs> says you who's been married for how long <laughs> no I'm not saying that but I'm just I'm just like you can't keep up that like, when you've met someone for four days, like when we'd been in love for four days, it was just like that. I we mean, were on a ship. We didn't have sex in a car. But, um, in a bus. Like, <laughs> you have to get... That's, a sta- that's an early stage of a relationship. I don't know if they had what it takes to get long-term through, like, a lasting marriage because they were from very different backgrounds and as we learned from marriage prep you have to discuss all these things first and actually it's it's hard to combine two very different lives so wouldn't that be a sad ending if they just had fun for a few years and then it just all a bit fell apart and like what would they do for work and stuff and like she's had a very privileged upbringing and like how would she cope with all that when having a kid sleeping under a bridge all that all that stuff. Which yes. one of those questions would you like me to address? Gone. Unfortunately for them, marriage prep wasn't invented till 1913, <laughs> so they really, they really struggled with that one. I don't think Hollywood is interested in uh, lasting, yeah. successful relationships. But don't you think marriages would be better if Hollywood was more realistic? Yes, but films would be worse. Yeah, but what what's more important, films or marriages? Uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> a tough question. <laughs> no, I think definitely the uh, the marriages. <laughs> marriage. No, I, I think you're right. But I think Hollywood doesn't care about... Um, because you can't, you can't sit down and monetize over 90 minutes uh, a lasting, fulfilling relationship. It's hard mm. to depict that in a film and have that kind of three-act structure and, and whatever... Yeah. But it's I think it's a good criticism of the industry that neither of us are a part of. Good. 
Uh, got anything else to say? Any more interesting facts about the film or real life? The incident. I can I can see why living coming as I do from an Irish shipbuilding family that we never watched this when I was growing up. <laughs> That's just a joke I wrote and I wanted to get in. Uh, did you know that um, Kate Winslet super wanted this part and so like really kind of pestered James Cameron for like days and days and I sent did him read a that. rose. I did read that. Every day saying, I'm your rose. I'm your fire. And then, your it sa- then it turns out that he was a bit of an idiot. And then she went on to day one life drawing with him. And then, and she also chipped a bone in the, uh, in the filming. Oh, I did. I, d- I read, whilst we're on facts that mm-hmm. we read on the same article, yep. it's uh, most money making day, the day when it made the most money. Do you know that one? Highest grossing day for Titanic, February the 14th, 1998. Do you oh, know what February the 14th is? Who is doing that on Valentine's Valentine's Day? Day? That is the grimmest Valentine's film, apart from going to straight up watch a horror film together or something. Like, that is a tough watch. If you, as a person, sat through that, really hoping the other person would like you, well done. Well, good writing. Send us a postcard with details, please. Um... But it made a, it made a lot of money on that day. Um, how many people get shot in this film, Helen? I don't know. Have you counted? I think I did count. I think it's three. I think it's right on the border. Oh, that's on the border of my film. Are you counting the man that shot himself? Yes. Okay. He shot. That's fine. Three shot. Okay. I just don't like constant shooting. But constant drowning, that's fine. I think we're scraping the barrel at the minute, to be yeah. honest, love. Have we run out? So, what's our what's our um, one minute summary review of Titanic? Good. Um, Harrowing. Bit clunky at times, but overall, powerful, affecting film. Yeah, I'd say it's got everything. It's got a bit of a love story, a bit of drama, a bit of history, um, bit of dead babies. <laughs> All the things I look for <laughs> in a film. Oh, I've got one thing to say. Uh, so I've got a sister that's nine years younger than me. And uh, so she somehow, and she blames me for this, got to see this film when she was like four. And she had nightmares about the the floating frozen people for like weeks afterwards. So, uh, so Sorry. Oh, good. I'm glad there's an apology at the end of that because it sounded like the start of that was you pitching that as her <laughs> fault, her problem, whereas you're the one who loved the film and undoubtedly forced your four-year-old sister to yeah, watch. Yeah, but like, well, what were my parents doing when I was forcing my four-year-old sister to watch this film on Probably VHS. trying to put you up for adoption. <laughs> so I think that's it on Titanic. There we go. Uh, thanks What's for listening. What's next? Next... It was a close call, but I'm going to show you The Matrix. Mm. The original Matrix film directed I'm by the Wachowskis. I'm kind of excited to see this. I know, that's why I wasn't I'm sure intrigued. if I should uh, I should put it on you. Um, great, well, we're, g- we're going to watch The Matrix. 
We're going to watch The Matrix and we are going to record our thoughts just like this. Uh, if you found this interesting, exciting, arousing, no, I'll <laughs> if you found this at all interesting or fun, then uh, let us know. Do you want to say bye? Okay. Bye. Bye. bye.